that's why social media works for me because we're talking about ourselves we're talking about other people we're getting to know each other and yes you know obviously occasionally we will talk about our product but it's on a much more kind of personal and human level this is the mad lemmings podcast episode number 11 Welcome to another episode of the Mad Lemmings Podcast. I'm Ashley Fawkes, your host, and thanks again for joining us this week. We have another special guest on this week, certainly a great chat I had with uh, Ian Anderson Gray. He's a big Twitter fan like me, and that's where I met him online. He's certainly got a lot of experience, used a lot of the tools out there, which I'm going to get him on to discuss next time. We didn't quite have enough time to delve into that this time. But this episode is about using social media correctly, or at least the way we see it. Now, there's no correct way to use social media, of course, but Ian has some great articles on this subject, and he's posted those over the last six months, I would say. And two of them really got my attention, which is why I wanted to get him on the podcast. He actually has some ironic messages telling us how to use social media correctly or incorrectly, as the post really points out. And one of them was titled, Stop Saying Thank You on Social Media and Say Something Meaningful. And that's a really interesting conversation we have in the first part of this podcast, how to stop just saying thanks on social media and actually engage in conversations. And we'll discuss some different ways to do that. And in the second part, we're going to go over another article that Ian wrote about how to become a social media guru in 20 steps. Now, that was an ironic article where he goes over all the ways not to become a social media guru and all the things you shouldn't be doing, and we're going to discuss those in detail as well, which is really cool because Ian has some great things to talk about and to tell us, and we can learn a lot from him and a little bit from myself as well, of course. And Ian has a great voice because he's originally a singer, so I certainly hope you like listening to him. He has a wonderful English accent, and uh, you're going to enjoy that, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, hope you learn a lot. I certainly did. He's a great uh, person to chat about social media with, and he has a lot of great information. So here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thanks for joining me today. No problem. It's good to be here. And after many months of tweeting online, we finally meet like many a podcast guest. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's been a while. We've been chatting on Twitter and various social networks for, I don't know, it's certainly been months and months and months, probably over a year, and we've not actually had a chance to speak to each other yet. That's why I love the podcast. It's uh, actually, it's a selfish thing. I get to meet people, I get to talk to things I love talking about and learn things with people, and uh, we get to produce some great content at the same time. So it's uh, it's a win-win-win-win-win. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I asked you to come on the podcast today because... Um, you're also really big into Twitter and social media. Maybe we should quickly first just do a two-minute uh, spiel about your background and, and what you do. Oh, dear. Put me on the spot. Well, yeah, I actually trained as a musician, so uh, I'm a professional singer. But uh, I've always been involved and interested in technology. And about 12 years ago, I set up a small web business with my dad. And I've been doing that ever since. And about three, four years ago, I a blog at iag.me. And I've been dabbling in podcasting as well. So, um, yeah, I've just been fascinated by the psychology of social media and I enjoy blogging and meeting people online. So, uh, just, well, just what we're doing today. So that's a little bit of a background on me, I think. Okay. 
<laughs> and uh, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed over the last month, and one of the reasons I wanted to have a chat with you today, was that everyone's doing the same thing on on social media, and and after a while, it kind of gets a little bit dull, shall we say? I mean, it's never dull on social media, but you know what I mean. You start seeing the same kinds of tweets and the same kinds of promotions. And in the last, I'd say, well, it's probably been six months, you've been throwing a few things out there that have uh, really gotten my attention and. And one of those was the stop saying thank you post. What was your your inspiration for that? Well, it was a, an article by Mark Schaefer. And Mark Schaefer is a, he's a digital marketer based in, I forget where in the States, but he's um, somewhere in possibly Tennessee. And I met him at a conference in Wales last year. And um, I just was fascinated by his just the way he he didn't just take everything as read on the on on social media he he really thought things through and he wrote an article about why when he reached a certain number of followers on twitter he unfortunately was trying to he was trying to thank everyone for mentioning him or li- linking to an article and he got to a point when he just physically physically couldn't thank everyone he just didn't have the time to do that so he made um the decision not to thank anyone. And I mean, I won't go into the, the, the details of uh, the full details of what he was saying in that article, except it really made me think. And it made me think, why do I spend, why do we all spend that time um, when people link to one of our articles or mention us, why do we spend that time just saying thank you on, on its own? Now, I'm, I'm, I believe that manners are really important. I'm a polite person and I do say thank you and I do believe that it is important. But I was really analysing this and thinking, I'm saying thank you, thank you, thank you all the time. What am I actually saying? Am I just going through the kind of the routine of, of doing that or am I actually engaging in a conversation with this person? And uh, that's what this article was, was about. I mean, it's got a rather provocative title, Stop Saying Thank You on Social Media. I'm not quite saying that, um, but I'm saying don't just just say thank you it's a case of say you know say thank you but then carry on the conversation uh, maybe share something else with them um, and that was really the point of the article okay so that's really interesting i mean basically i've seen the same kind of thing and there are a lot of people doing this thank you uh, exercise and and i certainly did it for a long time whether it's a bulk thank you or an individual thank you and some of my more recent articles have had over a hundred tweets, so then you're getting kind of crazy. You're getting a stream of thank yous, which is mm. another another issue, of course. Do you really want a stream of just constant thank yous? But I think what's behind that and what you wrote further on in that article is really interesting, which is that, yeah, what are you doing? I mean, thank you in itself is just almost like a, a minor acknowledgement or a placeholder. Are you really actually acknowledging that person are you mm. starting a conversation what are you doing there and i really liked some of your your ideas there what were some of the other suggestions you had there well yes i, I was just i was really kind of trying to give people ideas of what else to do uh, instead of just saying thank you because i i see this as almost like when people say how are you doing you're you know uh, which we all do you know we all say how are you as a greeting and if we're honest, most of us are probably not expecting the person to say, well, actually, I'm having a really bad day. Yes. You know, I, my, my granddad has died, which, 
I think it's a shame because um, that, but but you know we, that that's where we are. And but on social media, I think we've got the opportunity to be interested in what people, how people are, and to have to, to be genuine because that is the power of social media. We can find out more about each other, even in 140 characters. It's um, an ongoing relationship. So one of the one of the things that I came up with, um, well, it's, it's, it's something really simple. It's just really a list of ideas of how to replace a simple thank you. So, for example, instead of just saying thanks for sharing, you can say, well, you know, ask them what they thought of one part of the article. Of course, that is assuming that they've actually read the article, which... Um, isn't, you know, always people, case, yes. isn't always the case. Isn't always the case. But actually... Um, Instead of shaming them and saying, have you read my article? You're, you're saying they may think, well, oh dear, I haven't read the article. Maybe I need to have a look at it. You're actually kind of getting them to read the article yeah, so that they yeah. can reply to you. And that actually has worked really well for me. Um, so, and, and you, you can actually get, on to get, get into a really interesting conversation about certain aspects of the article that you've, you've written. Um, the other thing could be, um, actually, instead of talking about y- yourself, um, because I'm sure we've all met people who tend to talk about themselves all the time, um, is actually be interested in, in them. Um, so ask them about what they do and, and um, uh, their website, their article, and uh, uh, and you know, is, is there anything anything? Um, well, how, how's their day going? You know, that type of thing. Um, it could be something a bit more techy, such as um, I've written an article recently about lead generation cards from Twitter. So that's a way of um, uh, enabling that person to sign up to your mailing list really quickly just by um, inserting a Twitter card, which basically is a you'll get a subscribe button that they can click on and they're automatically added onto your mailing list, your their email address. So that's um, a bit more of a geeky way, but it's, it's, it's quite, a, quite a good one to do. Or, or just, you know, we, we we all have stressful days. Why not, te- you know, s- tell a joke or, or just share something funny, you know, or or maybe kind of say something encouraging about them, um, something that uh, you've you've uh, learned from them, or because I think we all we all like to be encouraged. So I think that's one other thing. So I mean, in a way, these are just lessons of life, I suppose. But I think when we get behind a computer and play with social media, I think we, it's so easy to forget those things. And um, sometimes we need reminding. I, I know I do. So actually, quite often when I write articles on my blog, <laughs> I'm actually writing to myself, because these are things that I need to re- remind myself of. Um, because, you know, I'm, I do the same. I uh, particularly if you're using a, a platform such as Triber, which is a way of uh, getting other people to share your content for you, which is fantastic. I mean, Triber has been such a um, uh, such a powerful tool for my business. But when you get lots of other people sharing your articles and you're saying thank you, thank you, thank you, you there is just this kind of um, it's really a fairly kind of boring conversation. There's just so many of, the, of these lost opportunities, I feel, um, for building relationships and um, talking on, on the internet, on social media. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, I haven't taken it 
far enough, I think, but I've, I've done the random kind of opportunity when I remember I need to make it a habit of doing half an hour a day of this or half an hour a day of that because it certainly makes a difference and, and adds up. But just thanking everybody, I stopped. I mean, especially after it got too much and after reading your article, I thought, okay, what am I? I'm not achieving anything here. And it's just kind of annoying. I find actually it's I don't really find that much value in it. That's the bulk ones. Maybe that's okay. That's less, less sort of, but then I try and just do three or four a day or people I haven't thanked before or people I haven't seen before because people I know very well, I'm going to make an assumption that they don't need to be thanked every time because <laughs> they know I, I'm thanking them. So, I mean, maybe that's a silly assumption, but I try and go that way and say, okay, this is a new person I haven't seen before. I'm going to see, click on their Twitter profile, see what they do, say thanks, maybe try and write something quick like, oh, I see you're... For example, when I first met uh, Jen Herman, she was in San Diego. I'd worked there once, so I wrote to her and said, oh, I see you're in San Diego. Whereabouts? I worked in the north in this area. That's really cool, la, la, la. You know, just try and connect with something you, you mm. know, like in real life. I mean, what do you have in common? And what can you say to this person apart from how, how's the weather? Because, of course, that's the easiest thing to do. But, uh, yeah, I think starting conversations is is really crucial because otherwise the connection doesn't really doesn't really get established right it kind of you have a follower you follow them they follow you but it's not really it's not really more meaningful than that so that's a shame but yeah it's a great i think that's a great way and i've seen daniel uh what's his name sharkov i think is the right name of the last name from uh reviews and tips.com and he does the same thing he writes to me and sometimes i've shared his article and haven't read it and he writes what did you think about this and i was like oh <laughs> yes better go and read that daniel good work <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, I haven't. I have not read everything that I share because I share for people automatically that I know have good stuff, and then yes. I try and read the ones that spark my interest that are relevant to what I'm doing at the moment or or look particularly interesting. So I apologise if people think I'm reading all of their articles. I do not have time. <laughs> I do not have time for that anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. And uh, but yeah, well, I think I think uh, you know. Thank you for being honest there, because I think actually <laughs> there are I think the majority of people that share articles uh, or share articles maybe um, on a regular basis, such as such as ourselves, we, we you know we don't always do that. But I think it's this is where it comes down to trust. You know, if I'm going to be sharing an article um, automatically, or, or the way I, I tend to do to use selective um, sharing, so I will have a um, I use Feedly, for example. I will subscribe to um, people's um, RSS feeds and I get, look down and if I see any articles that seem really, really interesting, I will share them and then I will hopefully get the time to read them later. Not always because we're all busy. Um, but I, because I trust you, I will share that article. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, so it's not, I, don't, I think it's important to say we're not just sharing any any articles that we, you know, without kind of any form of um, uh, trust, you know, um, but yeah, no, I think that works really well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a balance, and as you were saying, the inspiration for this uh, discussion from from Mark Schaefer was that he doesn't have time to even thank anymore, and I'm sure he does still engage with certain people. I mean, I'm sure he has a little bit of time for it. But what he's saying is, and this was something John Paul touched on in our podcast last week, um, which if you're listening to this one is actually then two weeks ago. But anyway. Um, yeah, he's going to get to a point where he can't do that anymore himself, and he apologizes in advance for that. But that's 
it's going to get to a shameful point where you get so popular because you are so nice that you're no longer nice anymore. It's ironic, <laughs> but yeah, it's the way it is. And no, uh, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard one. And and I, I would be really sad to get to that point as well, where I, I, I but I think it's it's a way where you can actually you're kind of maybe stopping thanking everyone who mentions you and engaging in the in the conversations in in the conversations that uh matter more maybe um yeah sure or, or, sure. or you're, you're being selective in those conversations and that's what i'm starting to do anyway because i'm having to focus on other things to build my business and and you have to sort of take the 80 20 or the 80 20 of the 20 from the 80 20 as one guy once said to me <laughs> which is like some really small percentage of the things that are actually driving you further in what you're trying to achieve and Last year, when I first started blogging, that was being on social media and being active. And now, unfortunately, that's no longer the case. I have to do other things because I need money to pay my bills. And that's just the sad reality of life. But, you know, that's how it goes. But mm. anyway, moving on to the to the other post which you wrote, which is uh, related, but not, but also was really fun to read. And uh, I think I've shared it a number of times was the... Uh, the 20 steps to being a social media guru. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was a great, actually at first I read it, I thought, ah, oh, this is serious. And I thought this, what is he saying here? This is crazy. And then, because some of it was kind of touching on possible, but still ironic. And then some of them were just ridiculous. And then I realized that the whole thing was, was a parody of sorts. And, uh, you were basically saying, do not do these things, which some supposed, experts or gurus do because it just annoys people to no end right so and uh i mean i'll go through the points one by one and we can we can discuss them as we hit them i just summarized some of the uh the ones i wanted to touch on when i was reading the article and the first one was which something we just touched on quickly which was automation and uh automating absolutely everything and and never being present in social media have you seen that a lot from some of these guys oh absolutely i mean you know i shouldn't really admit this but you know all of these points are based on real life examples and you know i there are many examples of of this every every day so um there is a little bit of you know if we're honest there's probably a little bit of all of us in these you know and, and i i struggle with this because i when i first really embraced social media i mean i've been using twitter since it came out but really the last four years four or five years of really um starting to um, jump into social media in a big way i i wanted to automate everything you know um because i i'm a geek and i, I saw these amazing tools that could you know <laughs> solve all my problems so there's you know there's tools such as ift or iftt depending on how you pronounce it zapier or zapier and all these tools that will uh, you know enable you to cross post from google plus to twitter and and the problem with all of these or the potential problem with all of these is that you can end up, you know, set it and forget it. And I think that's what I was trying to make the point in this in this section was that, um, I mean, I've, I've said here, you know, to be a true guru, you must learn to automate every social media task at, um, and particularly at all times, you know. <laughs> um, so obviously, I mean, that is complete rubbish because if you um, – there were the diff we're going to come on to this into the next one, but different social network you know all different so social networks are different they've got different type different people, different mechanisms, 
And there's going to be times when you it's not appropriate to share something on a particular social network. I mean, when the Boston bombings um, happened, was it last year? I can't remember. Um, I think I saw an anniversary uh, discussion recently about it. So it must have been just over a year ago. Yeah. And the, there were a number of bloggers or you know people tweeting. Um, and because they had it automated, they were... They, they, they. It, it kept on posting out these, perhaps, particularly at the time of the bombings. You know, could be considered as inappropriate tweets um, because I mean I can't remember the examples. So I, I think what what I'm advocating is is semi automation. But obviously, to be a true guru in the kind of ironic sense, then you need to do need to do it all the time. Um, uh, I mean, that's what I said at the bottom, you know, some less experienced social media people will use some of these techniques, but to be a true social media guru, you must practice them all the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm sure we've all seen examples of that. I mean, automation in itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I first started writing about Twitter a while ago and people were saying, oh, you know, automation's just not good. And I, I, as, a, as we were discussing now with a time issue, I totally disagree. I think there is a balance to be had. I think maybe I automate a little bit too much, but that's the way it is. And my followers are hopefully used to that, or maybe they don't listen to what I tweet. It could be, who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but full automation, I mean, there's a balance. You know, you can you can automate it so that every new blog post get sent out once or twice i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that because you want to tweet every blog post and i think you could also automate and this is something i encourage using things like follower wonk um, to find out your best times to tweet and then putting them in some kind of system so that when you do rack up tweets to send out they're going out at times where you know you're going to get engagement and I think that's, or at least knowing what those times are, is is useful. And there are the tools can help you, but mm. uh, only being automated. And I've seen this with a guy who I was actually included on a post of his uh, last year, and he contacted me. And now I've got him in some kind of list stream that I monitor. And I've noticed that he only posts his own stuff. Mm. So if you're automating and you've got no filler tweets in between your posts then it's going to look really horrible to your followers that the only thing you ever talk about is yourself. But that's a that's a separate point. So the mm. second one you discussed was that all social media channels are the same. And some people make this mistake too, which is why I've stopped buffering things like Facebook posts because it doesn't work. It's, it's too different. The audience is too different. And uh, I mean, what's your experience on, on the different platforms? What are your main platforms other than, than Twitter? Um. I'm really getting into Google Plus, which is um, I've, I've been using Google Plus for a long time, but um, but it recently I've really seen started to see the value in that. Um, despite what people are saying, you know, there's there's a lot of negativity or by from some quarters about Google Plus. Um, but yeah, I would say Google Plus, uh, Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn to a degree. Okay. Um, I, I do use Facebook, um, but I have a very, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so so um, it's great. It's great to keep up with friends some of the time. Um, I'll say some of the time, but <laughs> um, but from a Facebook page point of view, it's it's um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. So I mean, to me, it's a very uh, it's a very personal forum. So getting that to somehow bind to your business, I, th- I find a very delicate 
mm-hmm. balance. And I mean, I never established that I was too late getting into it. I never got enough followers. And now those followers don't see anything I post. So it's almost a dead a dead platform. But uh, it, it is possible. I mean, I, I do follow John Loomer, who's a really great guy. His his blog is, is always coming up with some really interesting ideas. But it, it just requires a lot of time and investment um, and, and, and money, really. Um, Certainly initially. So, but I mean, yeah, coming back to the social networks all being the same, I, th- I think um, some social networks don't help this. I mean, LinkedIn is the famous example where you can, you can cross post to Twitter uh, from your LinkedIn profile. Um, and some people, some people automatically, everything they tweet um, will be post- cross posted to, um, to LinkedIn and to Facebook. But the thing is, on Twitter, We've got hashtags, we've got screen names. Um, and until recently, uh, until last year, Facebook didn't have um, hashtags. Um, and LinkedIn doesn't, still doesn't have them. And, and, and screen names don't make any sense. So I think it, it just looks, it looks horrible. Um, 140 characters. I mean, you've got, is it like 40,000, 50,000 characters now on Facebook? You know, um, so if you're cross-posting your tweets, it just is not engaging, and um, and so and also the, the 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 audience is different. So my Twitter followers are very different to my Facebook fa- uh, fans, mm-hmm. um, which are very different to my Google Plus followers. So it's not to say we shouldn't cross-post, and and I do on a free, frequent basis, but um, I just see so many examples of um, cross-posting. Um, treating all the all the networks as the same, so that that was really the point of that point. Yeah, sure. And I think I mean maybe yeah, LinkedIn to an extent maybe could because I, I find that I think it's there's two fields. There's the main field. I don't know what they call it, and then the description where you can put in more information. But most people don't put huge amounts of information in mm. in LinkedIn posts. So you could get away with almost putting a tweet in there, except for the fact that the at your name or whatever, and the hashtag looks a bit. <laughs> look, it look, it looks clearly like you've just cross-posted it. So, well, indeed, and, and not only that, that when if you use certain uh, cross-posting tools, like for example Hootsuite, um, although I haven't, I have haven't used Hootsuite in a while. When you cross-post, it doesn't always cross-post them terribly well. So you know, if you if you um, cross-post to if you twitter and linkedin then and you include an article it's not necessarily going to include an article um, with the summary image and photo depending on how you do it and hashtags if you're using hashtags in twitter which is a good thing they don't make any sense on linkedin um it it kind of looks to me it looks ugly and you've got on obviously on linkedin you've got a title and a summary well how do you when you cross post how do you how does it work that out now um there are two interestingly there are two social tools that that are different here. There's Octopost, which um, um, actually doesn't let you um, cross-post. It, 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 it tailor makes ta- it allow, allows you to tailor make each um, uh, pro, uh, each update to each network, dif- um, in, um, and gives you some advice in terms of how to uh-huh. to channel that. Okay. And the other one is Friends Plus Me, which is what I'm using a lot at the moment, which allows you to cross-post from Google Plus. And that does a really, really good job of of targeting it and formatting it properly. But yeah, it's just coming back to this whole point that I think some of us or some people think that all social networks or treat social all social networks as the same kind of platform. 
So that was the point yeah, I was sure. trying to make there. Yeah, I mean, my experience also recently now, I've been getting into Google Plus a little bit more on LinkedIn, is that the audiences themselves are different. Their expectations of mm. what things get posted, how often, and what they look like, especially on Google Plus, people expect huge sort of 100 word, 200 word. <laughs> sort of blog post summaries of the blog posts and you know if you don't even put an effort in to put a few sentences in then most people don't even touch it and then you've got the pictures if you put a picture in instead of the link and then the link just in separately it looks better and you get more engagement and and so and there's all these sort of fine-tuning elements i mean on twitter now you can put images and um, some of them you can choose which of the images that it's found that you want to use and so if you automate all of that stuff it just doesn't work right and uh yeah, so be careful. Get to know the social media platform, I think, is is a tip there. And also don't – I think you don't necessarily have to post on all of them. I don't. Um, I rarely post on LinkedIn. I try to just contribute to discussions and find that I actually get more engagement from that than just posting because just dropping your link more often than not, depending on the group and stuff and your audience, doesn't necessarily engage. It depends on your. It really depends on your what you're trying to achieve mm. and 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 the reactions you get. If you're not getting any reactions, then maybe stop and get to know some people first before you do it. Because no, that's great. I mean, I I've found that I used to do a lot of link dropping because everyone said to do it in Facebook groups, in LinkedIn groups, and now I don't even bother because it, no one clicks on them. I can mm. see in my analytics that no one's coming from there, and I'm just thinking, well, what am I doing here? I'm just annoying people probably because no. Everyone likes all these. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you look on communities in LinkedIn and and in Google, I now am dropping out of ones where there's no engagement. I, I see just link, 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 link. Not even a plus one, not even a comment. So why even bother? Obviously, no one in there is doing anything. <laughs> yeah, there are the um, groups. LinkedIn groups uh, can be, depending on the, the one you, you're a member of, can be just... It just people just linking to their articles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are there are f- a few where they do work, and um, I actually on a I would recommend actually not posting links, just to you know or, or link to other people other people's uh, articles and generate discussion because that's I think LinkedIn groups can be very very powerful, but not if you treat it in the same way as Twitter. On Twitter, you know, sharing links to other articles is is can work really really well works well for for both of us i, I would say and yeah. uh but you can't do that on linkedin you just people are just not going to engage with it so in my in my experience anyway yeah i've tried to find groups i mean across the board even groups not related to my groups because i'm trying to find business contacts but i'm trying to find areas where i can contribute and in a lot of those groups there's no point even dropping any of my links because they're irrelevant only if a discussion heads towards a specific area then maybe i'll say oh look i've got a really detailed article on that if you want to have a read of it but that's very rare i don't do that very often and i think for establishing really concrete relationships in places like linkedin and even google plus you're far better off just engaging with the people on a discussion and then they'll connect with you rather than putting a link in which no one will read and no one will connect with you so anyway that's just something i've noticed recently as well it's really interesting to see the behavior on these different networks. So anyway, moving on, next one. Numbers are everything is another one that uh, I I saw. I don't know if that was the exact <laughs> exact, yes. exact title of the bullet point you used because I've just yeah, quick, yeah. quickly jot, jotted them down here. But I've, that's another realisation I've had over time as well. It's uh, an interesting one. What's, what's your experience with that? Well, we... <sighs> 
don't know whether it's a human trait um, or human condition, but we, we do tend to, uh, because Twitter, you know, the, the number of followers that people have seems to be kind of in your face when you go to a profile. It seems to be the one, it's the one statistic that we, that we, we use in determining how popular somebody is or how influential they are. Now, don't get me wrong, it, it, can, it can well be the case that the number of, I mean, obviously some, you know, big celebrities have got huge numbers of followers. But I just think we need to think about other types of um, statistics. For example, somebody with, you know, millions of followers may not be, may not really engage with anyone. So, you know, is, is that the person that you want to follow and engage with? Um, whereas somebody with 1,000 followers uh, or even, you know, less than that, they, they, may, um, they may respond to you. They may communicate. They, they may be posting something, uh, articles that are really, really interesting on, you know, if we talk about Twitter. So I think we have to, to bear that in mind. And I'm not going to kind of pour too much scorn on the likes of cred and, and clout. Um, but... I think there's so much um, talk about trying to kind of get the, the biggest clout score. <laughs> um, and yes, um, it's, it, it, I think clout is, 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 can be useful. It is, it's, it's, it's a bit of fun. Uh, it can give you a rough idea of how you're engaging. But I, I've seen many examples of, of people who post well, how can I put it in a, in a nice way? You know, just absolute drivel on um, on Twitter and Google Plus. You know, just posting all the time and all the time, and then we use tools such as Empire Avenue to uh, effectively pay other people to to like their content. And so you can artificially it is it isn't necessarily easy to do, but you can artificially um, get your clout score to go through the roof, so you can get you know sixty, seventy, eighty by doing all of that. And I just think. I think there are better things to think about. Um, really think about who is in your core community, how are you engaging with them? And that's, that, that's a more difficult thing to define. Uh, and just let's use clout as a bit of fun. Maybe as a, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. It's fine. Um, but numbers aren't everything, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something in social media that, I mean, I've noticed as well. It's something I strived for in the beginning and now sort of, ignoring more or less because i've also found the same thing it's not what i need and it's not i mean in the beginning i didn't know what i needed so of course we all make these mistakes but yeah numbers and i've been listening to a few interesting podcasts on this recently more about uh, google analytics and site visits it's another metric that i also look at too often and uh, yeah you just get sort of bogged down with pushing numbers up and vanity metrics as they call them metrics which <laughs> Make you feel good, you know. You're like, mm. yes, I got so many hundreds of visitors today. That's fantastic. But <laughs> I mean, none of these people are opting in, or none of these people are buying your products, or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. It depends what you're trying to achieve. And I think this is where it gets more interesting, and that's where these guys were really putting a lot of dose of reality on this podcast. Was you have vanity metrics, which are the ones that make you feel good. So every other metric that's not useful, and then you have metrics which show you how you're doing. And the things, whatever those goals are that you're trying to achieve, that's very personal. But, uh, yeah, so we all get bogged down in these kind of things like, I mean, cred and cloud, okay, they can give us an idea of influences and whether you're looking for uh, some kind of blogger outreach program, they might be helpful for that. But for most of us, it's not particularly relevant, right? So, 
And that leads to the next one, which is the buying the reputation. It's interesting. I have no idea who's done that, but I get probably, yeah, I always look occasionally uh, every night if I'm lying on the couch and I'm looking at Twitter, I look at who's followed me recently and then I look to see if they're interesting and then I follow a couple back if they're in my area. But there's always one or two who have in their profile, you know, for a hundred bucks, I can get you a thousand followers. I know. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you kind of, um, you didn't mention one of my other points, which is fine, uh, which was uh, uh, automated direct messages. And just about all my automated direct message, direct messages that I receive are kind of, you know, you can get, uh, you know, 20,000 followers for, I don't know, $30 or whatever. You know, we all get them, don't we? But the fact is, people are willing to spend that money, you know, to, to get all these fake followers. So, um it is it is big business, and you know you can quite easily go to a website like Fiverr. I mean, I shouldn't really be rec- you know mentioning this, you know, but <laughs> but um, you know you can go to Fiverr and, and for five dollars get all these zombie spam followers, which are not going to engage with you. They they may they may kind of boost the number of followers you have, but they're not going to engage with you. And actually, um, you may find that later on Twitter will uh, block all these followers, and you'll you'll be down to where you were, and you spent all that money. Um, so yeah, it's, you can actually find out, um, how many spam followers you or somebody else has or particular fake followers, um, by the fake follower check. If you go to fakers.statuspeople.com and you can, uh, check how many fake followers you have or somebody else has. And it's uh, quite interesting. So that's one tool you could use. Okay. I'll make a note of that. We'll put that in the, in the notes. Was it fakers? Fakers. Yes, F-A-K-E-R-S dot statuspeople dot com. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes because uh, I haven't used that one before. I've used things like uh, Manage Flitter and stuff. I mean, they do a portion of that. You can look yes. for, but I'm not sure exactly what the criteria are. No, I don't. I mean, I use Manage Flitter too, and I, I, it, 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 it is kind of useful sometimes to, to weed out potential spammers, but it's, uh, yeah, th- this this one... This one's pretty good, and it's actually quite interesting because if you if you check some um, some celebs, you can see that actually you know, there are having examples where fifty percent of them have been really uh, wow. have been fake. So they've obviously <laughs> just bought followers. So yeah, okay. So that's one for if you're really trying to build your following for an actual purpose, um, other than just having a number and I don't know selling your account. Maybe I'm not sure how that would work. You can do that with traffic maybe i read something similar this morning but anyway if you're trying to do it for that reason then maybe it's worthwhile i can't imagine why you would want to but those people now know what to do but the rest of you who are trying (laughs) to actually achieve something don't bother doing that because it's a complete waste of time absolutely and that's uh, lead us to the next one well that was the direct messages one actually just quickly touch on that i've also someone wrote to me recently and said i've sent you a direct message on twitter i'm like well i don't read them because i haven't found one in the last months i don't think that was actually a message they're all automated so Mm. i tell people if you're trying to get hold of me really please just email me via my website because i read those Mm. whereas dms i mean i read google plus messages as well and and linkedin and all the rest but dms on twitter it's just all thanks for following me now follow me on facebook okay (laughs) why (laughs) sure i will i followed you on twitter because i love facebook anyway (laughs) And the next, the next point we had was the uh, using all platforms. Again, I might be skipping some here. I haven't got the post open. but uh, And I think this falls back to more what we were saying before as well, which is um, 
that not all platforms are the same and you can't possibly achieve everything you want to achieve by being everywhere and posting everywhere. So be selective. And, and what was your other other points on there? I'm not reading the article. I'm just... Well, I mean, this one was, you know, I was actually writing this to myself because I'm, I'm such an early adopter with all these, anything new and shiny that comes, I have to be, I have to sign up. So, I mean, I, I even have two app.net accounts, you know, app.net is the, you know, it's still going, it's this niche social network where you pay, um, it's, it's come down in price, but it's, so what I was saying there, you know, just because it is being talked about, just because it's new and shiny, um, think twice before you just jump on there because you need to be using your social networks um, effectively. And if it's just yourself, if, if you've got a small marketing team, then are you going to be able to to use Google+, Facebook, Instagram, Vine, Path, Zimi, SoundCloud, Last.fm, Audioboo, blah, 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 blah. I could go on. Are you going to be able to use those effectively? Otherwise, you know, just think, you know, why, why bother? You, I, what I'd always suggest is look at, always look at the new social networks and think how best could I use this for my business? But then think, just think very carefully about whether you have the resources to invest in that because otherwise um, I wouldn't bother. No, completely. And that's something I've been looking at recently with, with my business as well, which is, okay, what kinds of people are on each of those audiences you can find roughly demographics out and also you can look at some some posts that are out there analyzing the kinds of people for example yeah pinterest is people who are looking to buy stuff typically i mean i'm using it for social media and it works because many social media people are on there but typically it's people looking to buy stuff it's very good for products and uh, people on linkedin are very business oriented looking to connect to do with business people on facebook as we said before are in there for fun and people on Twitter are on there for news and a lot of different purposes. But it, it pays to know roughly what audiences are on there and, and what kind of things work well on those networks before you waste your time spreading yourself too thin. I think that's uh, something that I've I've really learned recently. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And uh, follow everyone back. Well, we touched on that before. I follow some people back out of interest, but uh, I certainly just don't follow everyone who follows me. And I guess you don't do that either. No. Well, I mean, it used to be possible with Manage Flitter and other tools to to do that automatically. But uh, Twitter changed the rules last year. Manage Flitter had to change the way they, they worked. And um, so you can't automatically just follow all the people that follows you back. And uh, if you do that, if you find a tool that allows you to do that, then um, you effectively can get uh, banned from Twitter. So it's just not worth doing. So I mean, I, I would advocate, you know, what you're saying, and that is to to look at the people who followed you back, and then um, say, you know, look at uh, look at who's interesting, and, and selectively follow people back. But there were many people in the uh, Twitter community that were really upset by that, and um, it was a it was a way that you could basically boost the number of followers you know if you if you uh followed somebody then they would follow you back and then you we'd then you'd unfollow the people that didn't follow you back and then you'd you basically over time that was how some people got lots and lots of followers so um yeah. obviously you can understand why they were upset by that because they weren't able to in an automatic way carry on with that mm -hmm. yeah i mean i use uh Tweet at her occasionally. I used it a lot more last year when I, as I said, when I cared about those things. But I use it now just to look for 
people, it's a very nice way to do some searching and stuff for specific niches and even in specific cities. And it has some quite nice search functionality. I could probably do it in Twitter, but I find it easier to just keep using TweetAdder. But they had the same thing and they, I think, lost a a lot of customers as a result of this change. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I never never had the tool when it had that available. I think I got in after that anyway. But automatically following everybody back, yeah, okay, I mean... Yeah, not really something I want to be doing. But anyway, I mean, some people obviously love that. And another <laughs> one which uh, I've, yeah, I was chatting with on with Sarah uh, yesterday. We were doing this week's uh, podcast about webinars, and she was saying that you know the the killer of webinars, and it's also the killer of email lists, and seems to be also the killer of Twitter and so forth. Is constantly pushing and selling and and annoying people. <laughs> Yeah, it obviously works for for some people. I mean, it must. <laughs> I, I, I just I, I just don't understand it. I mean, in in my dim and distant past, I, I I worked in a music shop and I sold, you know, these digital pianos. And I went on these. We were forced to go on all these sales workshops, and they what they wanted us to do was to kind of pounce on the customer as soon as they kind of walked up the stairs. We had to pounce on them. So you, you know, what do you want to buy? You know, you need to buy this one, and Quite frankly, if anyone did that to me, I'd run a mile. Yeah, you know? sure. So I, I was never really taught. I was never taught sales. But what worked for me was kind of giving giving the customer some time to walk around the shop, go up to them, say how are you doing, you know, talk about anything other than the product, and then just kind of make them realize that you are not going to buy it. You you're actually kind of a nice human being. And I just, I just don't understand. Um, I mean, when I go across, come across these websites where an automatic video will play in a kind of very salesy way, saying that I need to buy this product, it just turns me off. Maybe I'm cynical. I don't know, but uh, that's why social media works for me because it is about. It is actually we're talking about ourselves. We're talking about other people. We're getting to know each other. And yes, you know, obviously, occasionally we will talk about our product, but it's on a much more kind of personal and human level. And that always, for me, works. That has that that long lasting effect. Uh, Maybe it depends on the product that you're selling. For me, I want to build long term relationships with people. And so for me, I don't want a quick sell. I want to I want to kind of build that long lasting relationship. So um yeah, I mean, I think I probably said all I need to say about that. It's just don't shove your product in their face. Um, think think about where they're coming from and um, tell, you know, build your relationship over a period of time. Yeah, it's easy to go for the quick fix on anything. And that's a lot of the points we're touching on anyway, which is a lot of the problems are that you think there's a quick solution, whether it be numbers, automation, or whatever. And this is something I hate about the selling. And the example I brought up again in the chat with Sarah was I've recently been bombarded by a very popular internet marketer for a new course they have. And it's quite common. And some people do it all the time and I'm off their lists very quickly. And some do it less often, but when they do it and they continue to do it and they do it for three weeks running with, you know, three emails a week, then I also start to get annoyed because it's kind of like, okay, how many times do you need to remind me of your amazing course time running out? And if I haven't bought in by now, do you really think I'm still going to buy in? And there's a, there's a balance. I think it's okay that they're trying to sell something because ultimately for those of us who are running a business, that is how you make your money. You have to 
alert your customers to certain things and I have no problem with that. But I would rather the people gradually get to know me and understand what I have to offer and trust me and then ask me for help, whether it's through a service rather than me having to constantly send them 20 Mm. emails because that's, yeah, like you, that's not the relationship I want to have with people. And, uh, you know, if I want to build a website for somebody, it's like, okay, well, they've seen that I can do it. They trust me and I'm working with a girl now in Canada, for example, and we're almost having, it's almost a friendship. It's actually quite funny. I mean, in some ways it seems too familiar because you have to sort of draw a line, also a professional line of saying, okay, this mm. is the service I'm doing. I'm not your friend, but you also become friends. And, and I prefer that. I think that's a lot nicer. But these people somehow are just trying to, I don't know, make millions or. Well, I, I think you can probably, I, you can do both. I mean, I think Chris Brogan in his newsletter, I mean, he, um, I like the way he is transparent about it. So his weekly new, you know, his famous newsletter that he sends out on a Sunday is not really that salesy, um, but he will, whenever he is going to sell, talk about it, one of his courses, he'll put a big subject line in the email, which is, I think he could something like Selly Sell. This is a Selly Sell email, <laughs> you know, and he, and he could have, there's a bit of humor in there. And it's, you know, and I thought, well, you know, it's pretty blatant. So, and he says, you know, you don't have to read this email. If you're not interested in my Selly Sell emails, you know, just delete it. That's fine. So I kind of like that technique. It's being about transparency, but yeah, it's just the in-your-face type marketing that just makes me want to squirm. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's too much of it and it's always going to go on, right? And yeah, there's not much we can do about it. But for those who don't wish to do it now, maybe you have some other ideas. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, the second last one I've got on my list is to not uh, not admit to mistakes. I guess that's also something similar, being an all-seeing, all-knowing um, selling machine. You never talk about yourself and you never admit that you screwed a podcast up like I did yesterday, which was which was interesting. I mean, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Number number ten, it's going to happen at some point. But um, yeah, I have no problem with that because you know I'm not I'm not perfect. <laughs> Never will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a funny one. This because I think maybe some of us, you know, don't have an issue with this, but I think it be- probably becomes more and more difficult. The 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 more popular you become, the the bigger the name the brand or whatever that you have, maybe the more difficult it is to admit mistakes. Um, but I think it's really, really important, no matter how big you are, to to show your human side because it is actually quite attractive to people um, to admit your mistakes because we, let's face it, we are, as you say, we are all not perfect. And so, um, and and we all learn from our mistakes. So if you, you know, if you can say, for example, if you blog about the fact that you, uh, you you made a mistake. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that you should write a blog post about um, your podcasting experience yesterday, but you know, you could actually turn that into a really positive thing and say, well, look, th- these are the mistakes that I made and uh, the technical mistakes, and here's what I'm going to be doing to to um, stop that from happening in the future. And and actually, if you look at the big brands out there that don't really get social media, they do that too. They they kind of admit when they they do mistake, they they get things wrong, and they. Say what they they're going to do to, um, to to reverse that and to to move forwards. And I think people really respect that. So I think you're going to get a lot of respect if you admit your mistakes, as long as you are putting something into place um, to uh, to move forwards. Yeah, sure. And I, I mean, I like that kind of stuff as well. And, and the more I get involved in this kind of stuff, the more I meet 
people online, people who are famous or or whatever. And um, and I haven't told that story before where I kind of stalked a magician because I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm big into magic and I actually went to the hometown of my favourite magician and went to his show and met him there and and he was stunned that I'd sort of flown from. Uh, San Diego and had come from Switzerland to meet him because he didn't think he was so famous. But uh, and you know you realize when you meet these people and he was kind of like, oh, I'm just this guy and you want to come over to my place for a barbecue and I was I was stunned, you know, because to me he was on a pedestal. And mm. but he wasn't like that actually in real life. He's an amazingly humble guy. And mm. uh, and I think this happens in everything you do, even brands behind brands. It's just a bunch of people working in an office, and they're all bumbling around. I mean, half the companies that I've worked in, really big companies, like one of the biggest banks here in Switzerland, and if you realise in the background the mistakes they're making and the kind of things that are just cobbled together with sticky tape and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's crazy or just Excel sheets, things that should be automated that aren't or, you know, no one knows the answers to basic questions. and But, you know, of course, these guys don't want to admit mistakes. But I think mm. it's nice when you go behind the scenes and I've heard this in a lot of discussions and podcasts you know show a bit of reality show what you do on the weekend show you know that you've been sick or show you know actually there's, there's not a problem talking about that don't harp on about it but you know mention it it's uh, i think it's really nice and it's something i've been trying to do more of as well is put a little bit of a human touch to to the things that i've been doing and, and yeah no i think that works really well with your newsletter right? it's kind of interesting to find the person to, to, well, to kind of realize that the person writing this is actually another human being. I know that sounds silly, but we, we forget that. And so, and actually people are interested in other people. So Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what makes it all tick, right? I think that's what really people like Pat Flynn are really popular for that because, you know, he's personalized and, and made humble his experience with people. And, and even though he's extremely famous, he doesn't behave that way. So I think that's really mm-hmm. nice. All right, last point before we wrap up because I don't want to keep you on the phone all day and I don't want to keep our listeners as as Rob Coven said keep jogging you know you've got another half an hour to go because a lot of people listen to this when they're on the go and uh, I, I like my podcast because I can do a walk and basically fit a podcast in or something but anyway the last one is uh, hold back on your secrets and I'm not sure I fully understood this one maybe you can quickly expand this I was just speed reading it all earlier so. yeah yeah well the yeah the title is hold back on your mystical secrets and i and i think yeah so i i kind of i mean the first i think the first sentence says it all you know social media seo and digital marketing are all dark arts ones that requires years of training and research from the university of middle earth yes so what i what i'm trying to say here is that we marketing we're talking about marketing here so marketing and you know most other um, you know, science. If you do bio, if you're studying biology or chemistry, we all they all have buzzwords. These mystical, strange words. So in marketing, we've got words such as you know, clickability, big data, gamification, agile marketing, KPI, PPC, ROI. And when I first started reading articles, I I kept on seeing these words um, written. Um, and I had not a clue what what's ROI. Now I, f- I feel I feel stupid admitting that now, but I'm going to admit it. I had, didn't have a clue what ROI was. People assumed that you know um, that everyone else knew what they meant. And so 
what I'm trying to what I was trying to say though is just you know admit it when you don't know and actually if you are writing an article don't just expect your readers to understand what you're talking about because there was there are bound to be people that are coming into this for the first time who who really don't have a clue um and I just think that we quite often we have the we kind of almost want to build these kind of inner circles where we um kind of share these mystical words with each other with this kind of virtual knowing smile it's like this in in not an in joke but this in kind of inner circle um and i think that's a shame and what i was trying to say that uh, the the best thing to do here really is is to build trust by giving away your knowledge um and that is kind of quite counterintuitive giving away your knowledge but that is if if you give away your knowledge and, and explain things and don't try and kind of hold things back, then people will trust you. You're building up trust. And uh, if you're a social media guru, of course, you're not going to do that. And um, people um, are going to kind of maybe think that you know everything about everything. <laughs> but actually, um, you know, actually, probably the, 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 the truth of the matter is that you don't. And you're just trying to kind of... Um, um, make it look like you do. Yeah. This is a, this is actually an interesting point, the giving away of knowledge, because I was answering a question in a or participating in a discussion in a LinkedIn group yesterday, and the girl's question was sort of what is the the line that you draw in terms of giving away your knowledge for free? Now, I mean, I answered it in terms of my point of view, which is coming more from a blog post point of view, and I think... Potentially, one of the other people who answered it was answering it from the point of view of people booking your time in order to pick your brain for free, which are two different things. I think you have to be really careful with that, of Mm. course. But keeping all your knowledge to yourself and never giving anything away or not even giving a lot of it away, I think is is actually counterproductive. And it's also counterintuitive to think that because you think, okay, if I tell people everything, then why would they want to pay me for anything or why would they want to buy my products? But the one thing I've realized from listening to people who do it and still are extremely successful is that people are lazy. And you may give away all your information, but that doesn't mean people are going to know how to implement it or understood what you've written or have the time to do it. So people are still going to come to you and say, okay, I've read three of your blog posts on building a website. I can understand that you know what you're talking about and I need a website. I'm not going to go and learn how to do it. So I'll pay you how to do I'll pay you to do it. So by showing that you can do something, you're advertising that you're the person to come to. Whereas, yes, thinking that everyone's going to read your blog post and go out and do what you just said is actually completely incorrect. Those people are never going to pay you anyway. Absolutely. And that and the thing is if you if if people go to your blog post and you 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 hold back your your secrets, they're, do you know what they're going to do? They're, they're going to go somewhere else. Yes, exactly. Until they find the answer to that. Um, and you've lost them, you know, forever. So, I mean, they, they may read your article and they may think, wow, this guy knows what they're talking about. I'm going to do it. And then a month later, do you know what? I, I can't be bothered. I haven't got enough time. I'm going to get this, you know, I'm going to make contact with this guy and, and see if they can do it for me. And I think, you know, that's, I keep hearing that um, time and time again. Um what you just said. So yeah, just give away your secrets and you will find that you are busier than ever. 
Yeah, I mean, you may you may prevent by not giving everything away. You may prevent I don't know some small percentage of really enthusiastic people with a lot of time who are just starting something or have time on their hands for whatever reason. You were never going to have them as a customer anyway. Probably. Exactly, exactly. That's just what I was going to say. I mean, okay, <laughs> you're preventing them by not giving the information, you're making them pay for it, but they're either going to resent you anyway and not want to do it or <laughs> or they're going to go and find someone else like you say because everything is on the internet somewhere. And, I mean, pretty much. I mean, there's a very small amount of information that's not out there. And the nice thing, like what Sarah said on her podcast yesterday, was that she has a $7 ebook that gives you a sort of a kickstart into getting into webinars. And she said, look, you know, quite honestly, if you don't want to pay that seven bucks, you can go and find that information on the internet somewhere and go for it. If you don't want to spend the time or the the money, then you can do that. But uh, yeah, it's seven bucks and it's probably saves you hours and hours of work. So that's up to you. Time is money. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all I wanted to uh, cover today. We've got tons of other stuff to discuss and we'll, we'll postpone that to a, another podcast on, on all the tools of social media because you use a lot. Actually, one I quickly wanted to touch on before we end was Community. I think you use that as well. That's a really good way of keeping your Twitter contacts um, in your mind. How would you quickly explain Community? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of community tool. So uh, it, it enables you to segment your Twitter followers uh, or the people you follow on Twitter into different, I suppose, demographics, different uh, groups. I mean, obviously, you can do that with Twitter um, lists, but uh, this really helps you. uh, It comes up with people that you should maybe follow, people that would be good to reply to, people who are in your kind of, uh, who engage with you. And um, it uh, helps you keep on top of that. And it also helps you... um, I was talking earlier about this uh, um, thank you replacement list. It enables you to quickly respond to these people just by um, uh, adding these uh, replies in a a kind of more kind of engaging way. So I use that on a regular basis and I find it really, really useful. Yeah, I only jump into it occasionally, but actually every time I do, I'm reminded how nice it is. I mean, basically it does things like saying, Oh, you know, I mean, if you're getting a lot of tweets and you're, you know, you're over the hundreds of followers, maybe into the thousand, you won't notice all your tweets anymore. You won't have time to see them all. And it'll say, okay, this person has more recently been engaging with you. You haven't written to them for a while. This person has tweeted a lot of your stuff recently. This person um, is in your circle of influence, but you've never engaged with them and they have a lot of followers. Maybe you should connect with them. I think that's really cool. It actually summarizes a lot of really useful um, things you could be doing to advance your Twitter following in a very quick and easy format. I really like it. Mm, no, definitely. No, it's good. And uh, yeah, okay. So that's basically it. So don't go crazy on automation. Don't get don't get on. I'm just going to quickly summarize. Don't get on every platform. Get on the right ones. Don't you don't have to be everywhere, as Pat Flynn says. Don't buy your followers. Don't follow everyone back. Selectively follow people. Um, be human. Engage with people. Um, try to write a few tweets to people who are tweeting to you or retweeting you, and and ask them what they thought of something or how their day is going. Just a couple of times a day. Do that. Just make it a habit. I haven't done it myself, and I admit my mistake there. I should do that more often, but I've seen people doing it, and it really works. People even doing it to me and making me respond to them, and I think that's really cool. So, yeah, be better on social media. Don't just uh, pretend you're behind a computer all day long. Get relationships, and uh, I think uh, your articles are great there, and that was really cool, and uh, I really appreciate your time. And, 
and we'll book in another slot in the next few months and we'll do a we'll do another one on uh, tools for social media that'll be great i really look forward to that all right thanks for your time again no problem all right have a good day bye well what a great chat with ian anderson gray there he's certainly full of great information and tips for all of us to learn from and to use social media better at least get relationships out of social media which is what it's all about really and uh yeah, I'm going to get Ian back on the podcast at some point in the future to talk, to talk about tools, which is a thing he's really into. As he mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, he likes using a lot of social media tools and has a lot of great tips on how to do that best as well. So we'll get him back and pick his brain about that as well. If you want to get all the show notes from the podcast, they're going to be under madlemmings.com slash episode 11. That's the number 11. And of course, it's also on the blog and under the current blog for today, which is uh, early May. So if you're listening to this later than early May 2014, you can just go back and type in madlemmings.com slash episode 11, as I mentioned, or you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and uh, leave a review if you enjoyed it, and that would also greatly help the podcast. I'd appreciate that. And if you've got any questions, you can leave them below, below the blog post, and Ian, I'm sure, will chip in and answer those if he's got some time. He's a great guy. I'm sure he'd love to have a chat with you. And you can connect with him also on the on the podcast uh, blog post, and I'll put all his connection details at the bottom. So have a great week, and I'll see you next time.